0: and the human leader of the android underground, Matt Lee.
1: Hey, what's up guys? It's Tuesday, April 24th, 2012, episode number 32 of Attack of the Androids. Attackoftheandroids.com, check us out every week, new fresh android episodes recorded for your listening pleasure. I'm Matt Lee, joining me tonight, got the regular cast, Joey, what's up?
0: How are we doing tonight, Matt?
1: We're good. We got Seth. What's up, man? Hey, not much, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, it's been a minute since we've had you on the show, (laughs) buddy. Uh, And also, you guys may be familiar with yet another tech show and uh, such. Ant Pruitt, what's up?
2: What's happening, gentlemen?
1: With the pirate. (laughs) Google Plus, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for making us such productive, (laughs) such constructive productivity apps such as the pirate face. <laughs> and, and hey, I don't and have the, a pirate face. And the monocle. I? And the monocle. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start out, as we do, with the phone of the moment. Because right now, there's this sweet deal on Google Play. It, Seth, I didn't think after the last excursion into, what, selling, what do you call that? Selling end-to-end <laughs> to your customer. I didn't think Google was going to try that again. Uh, They have, with an unlocked GSM Galaxy Nexus, in the Google Play.
3: Seth? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty astounding move, in my opinion. Uh, One that was rumored that it was going to happen, but one that I don't think people were 100% sure about. Um, You know, after the, the Nexus One, right? You know, that was a good phone. Google tried to sell it, but they just couldn't compete. They just couldn't. They don't think they sold enough numbers to really, you know, justify them having their own store. Uh, But it's a beautiful idea, right, to get rid of the carriers, uh, you know, hindrance for manufacturers and Google for creating the phones that they want. So there's not like, you know, eight versions of the Galaxy S, you know, the Fascinate, the I forget them all. Or, you know, there's not, even right now with HTC's One X, so so many different names, Uh, the One X, you know, uh, is it Sprint, I think? Now they've got the incredible 4G LTE, you know, and so it's like, but it's really the 1X sort of-ish, but not really.
1: And you know what, too, when I saw this, I kind of thought, like, if you were to invest in getting yourself a phone, not subsidized or anything like that, and, like, the Galaxy Nexus with the dual core, with, with the specs it has, like, that would be a good investment that a couple years or even 3 years down the line it's still going to be somewhat of a decent phone you know it's not going to get left behind as quickly as the original incredible or like even the droid x is kind of starting to get a little slow in its its age i feel like because of where the specs are on this it's not a quad core but i think it's it's right at that sweet spot with you know a gig of ram and a dual core that this would be a good investment to own one and to be able to use it on, you know, any carrier because it's unlocked. And, well, and like to they call help.
3: it be used on it's, – it's GSM, so they're calling be used AT&T and Sprint.
1: Well, any GSM carrier. I mean you could go to Europe and use it's this. Mobile. It's not like getting a oh, Verizon I mean TMO, phone. I am sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, I'm just saying it's not like getting a Verizon phone where you can only use it on that one CDMA network and there isn't one anywhere else. Like you could take this phone, you know, and that's why it would be a better investment then.
2: I
0: still don't buy the people who are willing to shell out four hundred dollars for a phone with an Android name on it simply because it's unlocked. Um I think well, that majority of people that that get an Android phone get it because it's inexpensive and cheap and subsidized. But you would well, rather
1: spend six hundred dollars on it through the carrier? I don't under
3: Here here's what I think that this is really interesting. I think this you know, I don't know what the prepaid data plans are and things like that, but you know, if you could have a prepaid phone, if this let's say for instance this would work with a prepaid data plan or a prepaid even if well, could you, a minute plan. Seth,
1: could you take this on Ting? What is Ting? Ting is that pay as you not pay as you go, but you pay for kind of what you use Yeah, uh, we that's we exactly covered what it.
3: A, yeah, if you got like a prepaid, you know, SIM, theoretically this would work. And then if you could use Wi Fi on this, something, like that, you know, this would be a beautiful phone. Uh, for three hundred ninety nine dollars. And then if you when you know when when um, Sprint had their, you know, once, well, that, he just is won't work on Sprint. I'm sorry. But when, cause they're just releasing their Nexus too, you know, but for instance, um, you know, if you... AT&T starts developing their LTE network, you know, to be better and things like that, then this would be uh, a really good phone. But I, so I just think that for people who uh, either aren't in the renewal time of their, you know, contract because for 400 bucks, you could sell this phone off contract for 400 bucks. You know, I not $400 right now because that's what it is. But, In a year, this will still be a $200 phone easily, maybe maybe more than that. Because, I mean, think about it
1: this way. Those of us that got it right when Verizon first dropped it, we spent pretty much, I mean, you know, damn near what this costs and have to have it for two years on this service and all that. You know, there's all the stuff that comes with a contract, which is on top of that, a $2,400 two-year data plan. So, for a
3: hundred dollars more to be able to grab this phone unlocked, yeah. it seems pretty amazing to me. So uh,
1: that's that's why it's the phone at the moment.
3: I mean, it's hundred ninety nine now on on um, on Verizon. I'm sorry, cheese brain freeze. So it's, you know, this dropped to hundred ninety nine on Verizon, but still, this that's on contract.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So Two
3: hundred dollars more off contract. I think this is a pretty and astounding.
1: That's you know, a- yeah,
0: but unlocked phones make a lot of sense if they are not tied to a specific type of network. In but, other words, if it's an unlocked LTE, GSM, C D M A, all in one whoop-de-doo-world uh, phone. Yeah, a world phone that works on anybody's network. That's when unlock makes sense. The catch is is that nobody's willing to give you an unlocked phone in that sort of uh, scenario because the price would be too high to buy.
2: My cur- my my curiosity is about the just how big is the market for an unlocked phone nowadays that's locked down to where this is strictly. Well, isn't
1: It's, it's a Nexus phone, uh, which is kind of the, the developer geek market. I think that's the perfect, you know, it'll work.
3: I mean, so in the U S it'll work with, like we said, T-Mobile and AT&T, Right. But that's the yeah, thing
1: too. It depends on your use case. If where you live, like here, it almost makes more sense to be on Verizon because there's still not a strong well, here, GSM presence. I, but
3: here, here's the case that I'll make: if I had a year old, what's a good year old AT and T phone? I'm trying to think what a good one is. Uh,
2: Galaxy S2.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's not a year old though, is it? I mean, it, it is in Europe, but not here. That's the Galaxy member like, or something or
2: or maybe just the Galaxy S then. The Galaxy yeah, S. Yeah, but there's
3: a couple in between there. But anyways, let's say like a year old AT and T phone that I like, but I don't, you know, I'm not in love with. You could probably sell that on Craigslist or eBay for, let's say, 150 to 200 bucks, right? Probably right. Probably without a problem. Right. And so then now this is only 200 dollars, and you get a Genex with LTE. Well, no, does this have LTE on it? it so, does, right? Seth,
1: are you just saying everybody should real quick buy one of these, flip it on eBay, and then take that money and go get themselves the cheap Verizon version?
3: No, no, I'm <laughs> that, saying that, that's kind of what no, this sounds like. No, 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 I'm saying that if, if someone just wants a good upgrade for a phone right now, right, they're not loving their Android phone or they have a, a BlackBerry or something, you know what I mean, some stupid, you know, or even a Windows phone, like this would be a cheap way to get a new phone, a great new phone, top-of-the-line new phone, off-contract.
1: Hold on, did you say even a Windows phone? Yeah. Windows makes phones? Huh. Hold on.
3: Hey, does this have LTE, guys? Did we find that out?
2: I didn't see that. But I can look. It says it supports
3: it HSPA+.
1: Plus.
3: Okay, so that's not LTE then, probably.
1: T-Mobile, AT&T, and supports each carrier's HSPA+. Plus. They said they're waiting to see whether Google will add more models to Google Play, but it appears it is leaving the door all wide
3: open. see I'm trying to find it in the Google play Store oh there it is is it like right up front? yeah, yeah, it's the very first thing, yeah, so it just <laughs> uh, it doesn't say l t e it it just i think it's h l. i think it's h s p a plus yeah it's HSPA+. plus um, is
1: that is it though in and of itself to just have that device because of what it is? It's a it's just it, at at its core it's a good piece of hardware and to have it untouched by a carrier, which means when Jelly Bean comes, it's going to run that, and you're not going to be waiting like God when is this going to get updated? You're going to be on that front line of people that are quick to yeah. get the updates because that, it doesn't have to test with TouchWiz or with you know anything else.
3: Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this phone it's is not unlocked, thing. right? The unlocked isn't really that interesting. What is interesting to me is the idea of getting a, you know, Google selling a pure phone for really for pretty cheap. Four hundred dollars is cheap. Cutting uh, out the middleman. Cutting well, out the middleman for 400 bucks uh, and letting you use it on, you know, t or AT and T. Although the problem is, this is the the one of the problems is it doesn't have LTE in it for AT and T users, right? That's kind of a, a bummer. But for Team OUbers, this is a great because they have good HSBA plus. This is a really good phone.
1: Yeah, well, it's out there. Just another choice adding to.
3: Yeah, this is the phone of the day.
1: The <laughs> phone of the moment. Phone of the moment. All right, we're going to start another new bit. This one's called Word on the Street. In each episode, we're going to, from our source to our ears to our microphones to you, we're going to tell you what the Word on the Street is. Announcing May 23rd, we know that there is something going down in London. We've heard rumors of some devices being announced, but did you hear about this little gem? The Samsung Fascinate Nexus Vivid G1 Pro Mark 5. This is a quad-core Tegra Exynos Quantum Medfield 3. 64 gigs of storage, 2 gigs of RAM, micro SD card slot, expandable for another 64. 4G LTE HSPA+. This thing is the world phone. It's the size of a Note super amoled retina ips display plus with check this out matching contacts that's right waiting for your google glasses wait no more sucker! i got contacts doesn't even matter uh, it comes with a stylus also free non-warranty destroying unlock bootloader for those of you who want that and it comes with ics uh no carrier agreements were announced yet but we'll tell you what happens as it happens what do you guys think sick. of this I didn't think we had quantum computing, at least not in mobile yet, so I'm excited. It's pretty sick. Pretty sick.
0: It sounds impressive. It, it's got me excited. It sounds say, almost
1: Matt. too good to be true. I hate to say I don't trust these did sources that, sometimes. Does that but, have
3: um, Nokia's new 64-megapixel like, camera on it, too? I, 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 I also
1: heard it's going to dual-boot <laughs> Windows Phone. It's going to also be uh, running the latest webOS version, and also, of course, Android ICS. And four was point, that like three
3: days? This like, is 4.05. Three, three weeks battery life? Is that what
1: that was? Three weeks, I thought I heard on that? <laughs> three weeks. It's pretty great. Yeah, it comes with its own nuclear uh, battery core, so I'd be <laughs> interested to see what kind of uh, cancer studies we get coming out of that when people hold these uh, large radioactive devices up to their heads. Oh, because you know they're coming. Oh, yeah, was a, it, absolutely.
3: It was, a four, it was a 4K screen too, right? I, mean,
1: I, I heard that. So, we'll see. I mean, nice. it's, it may yeah. be the holographic film, and it might also be in that new liquid metal ceramic. Who knows? So, we'll <laughs> see. I mean, it's just every, it's everything all rolled into one, basically. Very nice. So, uh, Eric, he wasn't able to join us this evening. He did say next week, though. That's his day. So, watch for that. tech the Androids. Uh, he'll be back. But he did post this, and it, it's uh, Dan Rosenberg's presentation on Android modding for the security practitioner. It's a, it's a must-read, and it says that it is a must-read in the title. That's how I know that. And he says, while not on, uh, not everyone who owns an Android device roots, the Android modding community is at the very heart of everything we love about our little green buddy. Security researcher Dan Rosenberg recently gave a presentation where he elaborates on root and modding methods, as well as expounding on the security implications of modding Android phones. And it's it's uh, Scribd. You guys use Scribd at all, Ant? It's kind of (coughs) cool. I do not use scripting. It's cool for, like, embedding these kinds of presentations. But we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And uh, it goes about how uh, locked bootloaders work, how the the on-chip cryptographic verification uh, and how it verifies signatures and all that stuff. Uh, And it's just the 63 slide show, basically, of just here's the Android partition layout, here's a case study, Motorola and OMAP, Uh, some graphics, HTC Qualcomm case study. uh, I like
0: the quote right on the first page, not even of the slides. It says, of the 10 vulnerabilities that I discovered and used for rooting on Android, nine of them are related to stupid, his (laughs) quotes, file permissioning not present in the stock Android code, but introduced by the manufacturers.
1: That's interesting, too. I just got done writing a pretty in-depth Android web browser review, and i came across a couple interesting things and i noticed a lot of chinese made web browsers and i noticed a lot of um when you you know on google play you can go to the developers website from from the play uh, entry a lot of those go to, like, these weird uh, spam ad kind of, like, put in a mobile number here and put in an email address here, but it's all in Japanese. And so when you translate it, it it's uh, – I don't know. So some of them seem kind of shady, and I I Googled around, and, and there was a couple threads on XDA Developer Forum about it and about how they're noticing, like, this influx of – Chinese browsers and what some of them are doing is saying you know well we speed up your traffic because uh, I think Opera was one of the first to do this where they they take the traffic compress it on their servers and then send it down to your mobile and and they that's how they were able to get it so uh, working so well on like Java phones and you know little tiny screen phones they they handled all that
0: I call crap
1: but some people okay hold on but some people are thinking that some of these cloud compression or acceleration things are actually these malware scripts in these Chinese browsers sending all of your requests and data back to them. But it's I'm hidden surprised. under the guys on your phone, uh, the permissions and everything. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And so I found some some comments, and I, I put both sides in, in my review. Uh, it should be out in a couple of days, I think, on, on groovypost.com. But I, I've made sure to put that some sides say that this is kind of a racist thing to say and not all Chinese things are bad. And, and they name a bunch of good apps that are, are made by the Chinese that are just great. And then other people are like, well, <laughs> you know, the the U.S. and the Chinese aren't exactly like, you know, cyber buddies or anything. So it's w- – what do you think, Joey?
0: Um, whether it's malware or not or whether it's maliciously intended or not, Anybody that's running any kind of compression over your internet traffic has to be able to view what you're doing.
1: That's the definition of man in the middle. I mean they are the man in the middle.
0: The the only way to uh, successfully proxy all traffic is to be able to decrypt any SSL connections and be able to monitor all web requests. Now, of course, you can easily get around this one major security vulnerability by the simple fact that you just don't uh, try to uh, proxy the uh, SSL encrypted traffic. So that runs straight to the phone. It also means you don't get the acceleration for that also though you do get and actual that, security I did
1: read that and I put that I think in the review of one of the browsers that it said their cloud acceleration is what it was called I think it was I, I don't remember what the browser was UC or something but they said that if you're using any kind of SSL connection that that would not go to their cloud servers that would just get skipped over so
0: Well that's good but the, here's the catch do you believe them I mean you know That's, that's exactly good. and that's <laughs> and
1: so I brought it up to Sherwin, our friend that mentioned the back in the you know earlier episodes, the whole hand sent database message thing. Uh, he's been on the show a couple times. He does the InfoLook uh, security gossip site, but. Because it wasn't published, I kind of gave him, you know, access to my Google Doc. And I was like, you know, check out some of these browsers and do some digging and see what you can find. So, uh, once that piece gets published, and then I think next week we're going to try and get Sherwin on the show with us. And we'll, uh, we'll go through some of the, the top downloaded and best Android browsers. And I actually, I sat here and did speed tests, uh, before I did each test. And then I, I, I had a list of websites and I went to each site and I counted how long it took to load and I made a spreadsheet and like all of the, like it's, it's really in depth. I covered, I think 13 browsers, 12 plus the stock to see how, uh, how it ranked in the speed tests and everything. It's so
2: that many different mobile browsers. And that dude,
1: that was like us. That was just the popular ones. If you do, and I wrote Jeez. this, I wrote this in the review. If if you do a, a search for web browser, in the store, you get over five thousand entries for apps alone, and then not to mention the books and the mo- whatever else but and so, yeah, I sifted through all those and i the first screenshot you see is my my prime with all the web browsers on the desktop and i I found you know twelve of the best ones and and just went to town two days Damn. it took me to do this thing, so I'm pretty excited you know- for it to come out.
0: If Unless these have some compelling feature that you need, in my opinion, stick with the stock browser. At least you know your traffic isn't going to get routed through a Chinese server well, intentionally.
1: And that was what someone else on XDA said is that they're like, if you're that worried about it either way, there's plenty of good American-based browsers like Opera, like uh, Dolphin, I think. Or maybe Dolphin, Dolphin was a Dolphin. Chinese one. I don't remember.
0: Opera is out of uh, Sweden.
1: But still, then uh, other people – and we can probably talk about this more next week, but other people are still saying, well, who's – you have on one side communist China and their rules, so any data that's on their servers and their country is – governed by their rules and then you have the us with the patriot act and you know so they're saying you know who's really i mean it's it's the lesser of two evils really so who do you trust i mean the best way like joey said is if you can help it probably just use the stock browser but i mean at the end of the day your carrier knows the info it's it's just a matter of i know the chinese hack a lot of Gmail stuff. They hack a lot of U S stuff. I know the U.S. i S I'm sure they hack a lot of Chinese stuff. And I just said in the review, I didn't think it was wise to get caught up in that crossfire. So, but you know, at the end of the day, it's up to each person what they want to do with their data. If all you do is browse stupid game sites on your phone browser, then it probably doesn't matter, but who knows? So we'll, we'll talk more about all the good browsers and the not so good browsers (laughs) Firefox, uh, next week. (laughs) I even made, I made my spreadsheet public and linked to it so you could see the actual speed test for each website and for each you know, mobile, desktop, 3G, phone, whatever. So I, It's in-depth. Uh, I'm excited. I like my data raw. That's right. I like my data raw. <laughs> so, all right, uh, moving on. Speaking of some, some malware and, and stuff on your phone, there was an interesting thing in PC World about a new app called DroidWall. And the quote here, this is what got my attention, is that DroidWall is one of the best ways to protect the data on your rooted Android phone. Now, of course, this applies to rooted uh, devices only, but I feel like people on rooted devices are the ones that really need to kind of keep track of this stuff more. So it, it's, it uh, offers you a simple dashboard, and it controls the installed applications that can access the Internet. Uh, each app is listed with two checkboxes, one for Wi-Fi, Uh, and one for 3G, uh, and you check the box to allow access, leave it blank to deny, and uh, activate the firewall, you're ready to go. So, Do you feel like, uh, Joey, do you feel like you need nowadays maybe some way of monitoring what kind of traffic is coming and going from your phone?
0: I think it's a good idea. Um, I think it's it's definitely something that as we see more and more vulnerabilities, malware, etc., going out onto the phone space, that it's going to be a, a more and more pressing need. But I can tell you from experience, the majority of people that are non-sophisticated have absolutely no idea what to do with either a firewall or particularly, I, I used to suggest that people run something like Zone Alarm, uh, where it would ask you to confirm every outbound connection right, and good people, luck, yeah, they just they don 't know what it is they don 't take the time to ask, they hit allow one well, and again and- let
1: me let me mention droidwall it 's for rooted devices only. Do you think that maybe somebody should make a an easy to use good firewall that kind of uses heuristics and checks comments of certain apps to see if hey, this is malware, maybe I should scan this more thoroughly? Maybe for non-rooted devices for, you know, people like our parents or the everyday user that, that maybe isn't so savvy.
0: I don't know. That's, that's something I'd look into. But, I mean, a, a heuristic firewall uh, on a phone is going to dramatically reduce bas- uh, uh, battery life because you've got to run an awful lot of compute cycles. Uh, to, to match heuristic tendencies not to not
1: necessarily though, because if it's only doing it with the apps that you've downloaded and then out of those apps it's not when I say heuristics I mean more along the lines of using the crowd, the community, the commenting system when it say you can tell it to scan for the word malware or scan for the word force close or something, and if I get four of those in a comment, you know, to flag it or you know, there's ways to do it I think without eating massive amounts of system resources.
0: Yeah, but it sounds a, a
1: little too sophisticated, though. For, oh, yeah, you know, well, stuff. that's what I'm saying. You need to figure out a way to make that process as smooth as possible. Maybe instead of trying new skin designs, maybe the carrier should be focusing on this. I mean, they're the ones that have the pipes and the raw data. They would be able to do this the easiest. Like, look, is that zombie botnet traffic? Hmm, I should maybe you know do something about that.
0: Yeah, but a lot of people do not and are not comfortable with well, the idea of their ISP monitoring their traffic. Now, whose and fault
1: is that though? Maybe if the ISP didn't have such shady practices for the last oh 10-15 years, maybe we'd trust them a little more.
0: Well, that's that's the other side of that coin is that but, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I at the at the risk of, of misquoting uh, Steve Gibson from the Security Now podcast, TNO Trust No One, well that only works up to a point. Yeah, you, you can't
1: you, trust no one and still have a cell phone. Sorry, especially not a smartphone. you can't smart trust
0: phone. no one and still be on the internet. I mean, it, because, you know, you're, you're, you're even if you use, say, for instance, like uh, alternative DNS and you're not using your, your internet service provider's DNS – Uh, The traffic still goes out over the internet provider. Well, and we saw just the other day
1: that people that... Remember, we brought up Silk Road when the whole Bitcoin craze was happening. We were like, you know, people are buying and selling drugs with Bitcoin on this thing. And they were like, oh, we're protected because we're using Tor. There was a huge sting operation and the heads of, of Silk Road got popped really bad. And so... Even if you think you're being safe and being anonymous and covering your tracks, there's always a way to to backtrace. I mean, if you're on a computer, it, it can be traced. I mean, right?
0: Ultimately, yes. Unless it's, yeah. you
1: you do it disposably, and you use burner phones, and use public access terminals, and you wear gloves. I mean, there's ways to do it, but no one wants to live like that. You know, we're well, not like, Jason Bourne. Uh, I just had
0: this, <laughs> oh, sorry. I just had this discussion with one of my customers last night. I, I was talking about securing their wireless access point, and, and I mean, the thing, you know, they're running WPA2 PSK uh, with AES encryption. It's pretty much the the de facto standard right now for what you want to have in a home or small business for encryption on your wireless. Uh, But, um, yeah. So anyway, I was talking to this, this customer about, um, they're securing their wireless network and they're running WPA 2 uh, PSK with AES encryption, which is your kind of de facto standard at the moment for homes and small businesses for those that are security conscious. And, um, we were talking about a couple of extra things that we could do to make the wireless network a little bit more secure. Like, for instance, you can hide the wireless network name. Well, the the catch is, is anybody that has any resemblance of a skill level knows that they can run a program that called a sniffer that will just kind of put out a burst of information on all wireless channels simultaneously and pull that information up. So that doesn't work. Um, you can turn on a MAC address filter, and uh, the MAC address filter will... Um, prevent you from uh, accessing a wireless network unless you're a certain device. The catch is is that you transmit the MAC address with every packet sent from the devices on the network every time you send a piece of information. So that's null and void. So it, it comes down to you can take steps that will secure it, but... All you're doing is slowing people down. Well, and at know? the end
1: of the day, it depends what your use case is. Here at my house, I'm using something completely different than what I set up for the work. And most of that is based on location. Nobody I can see if people are parked out here because we're not right in town. But you know, at the office, it's different because there are cars that come and go, and people sit in their cars sometimes. And you know, you never know if they're sniffing Wi-Fi, and it it, it just depends. I, you can make Keep it as mind, though, annoying. Work, who's
0: watching the parking lot?
1: Yeah, with binocs. But you can make it as annoying as it is for people. There, most of them are just going to move on because there's other places with just web waiting to be popped. Or, you know, if they really want in, they're going to get in.
0: Well, that that was my point. That was what I told that customer. Was you know, I mean, we can we can hide your network name. We can turn on the max filter. We can do all this stuff. But it's going to make it more frustrating for you to use it. Uh, if you ever have to add a a device to the network and it'll make it hard for your kids when they show up to use it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we don't really gain much. We gain a marginal increase in your security
3: for uh, a
0: large amount of frustration.
3: Seth, what do you think? I, you know, I'm not a huge security guy. <laughs> so, I'm, I mean, Joey is definitely going to be the expert on this and not me. Uh, uh, I would say I don't really worry too much about it. I, I just get apps that um I mean for Android particularly, I just get apps from the Google Play Store that I trust or the Amazon market that I trust. I watch the permissions and that's about the extent of my security.
1: Will will an um a questionable permission is that enough to make you just not install an app or are you absolutely. like you know, yep.
3: no absolutely. I I don't secure a lot of times if it's like a game and it needs my contact list, I won't do it. If it needs weird accesses, I'll definitely not I've definitely not installed apps before because of weird permissions. That's interesting. I, tell
0: you, I got complacent about that when I started working with the Nook because the Nook doesn't even have my Google Contacts and stuff like that. So I just hit apply on everything. That's right. Like I feel
1: like on my Prime, I just, I'm just i way more apt to just install whatever. <laughs> doesn't even matter because there's nothing... But I guess if there's Gmail on there, that's linked to your contact. So I, in a way, it's, you know. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: it's still somewhat connected because it's got your Google account. Exactly. Uh, so it,
0: Not on mine because I don't have my Google Apps installed. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, in that case, uh, okay. yeah, definitely. Right. Shout out to the XDA defo- uh, developer, for- former, yeah, develop, <laughs> developer forum guys. Uh, there's a gentleman out there that has a dual boot uh, gingerbread and ice cream sandwich for the Nook Color. Thank you very much, unfortunately, I still can't get it to work, but I am more uh, it.
1: very nice nice all right, let's move on. Did you guys see this um this Android trojan can track your keystrokes using motion sensors while we're speaking of of some some security stuff There's i had a I
0: had like a f- hokey thing where you can tell what keys are pressed by the by the sound recorded from kind of.
1: It's better than trying to see, like, from the grease stains, because I guess you don't actually need to, you know, have the device in your hands. I mean, at that point, it's, it's all over anyway if you have the device. But basically, oh, it, it's called TapLogger. <clears throat> it's a proof-of-concept app uh, for Android, and it masquerades itself as just a benign game that challenges the end user to identify identical icons from a collection of similar looking images in the background the trojan monitors readings returned by the phone's built-in accelerometer gyroscope and orientation sensors to infer phone numbers and other digits entered into the device this then surreptitiously uploads them to a computer under the control of the attackers so it's it's kind of like part keylogging part listening part I'm going to take what I just learned and line it up to a keyboard overlay and see what you just pressed. Like it, It's kind of cool. I don't know. I
2: mean, well, it's creepy, but it's cool. It's creepy, but I mean, it, it's not necessarily a key logger if it's doing a guesstimation, right?
1: Well, so what the problem is is that it exploits the design weakness in Android that allows all installed apps free access to motion sensor readings. Uh, because similar permission systems are found in RIM's uh, BlackBerry, there's nothing stopping similar apps from targeting BlackBerrys also. Uh, jailbroken iOS devices are also vulnerable. And they say the fundamental problem here is that sensing is unmanaged on existing smartphone platforms. This is Zizu, a PhD candidate at Pennsylvania State Department of Computer Science and Engineering he says tap logger shows that those unmanaged insensitive sensors can really be used to infer very sensitive user information, i.e., passwords. See, that's, that's
2: where they get me is they're inferring this. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't seem as concrete. You know, so it says. I, it I use...
0: agree, but it's one of those things where there was a study that came out. I think it was also on Security Now that researchers were able to determine based upon the acoustics of a keyboard what keys were being depressed, and it was something like. 66% accuracy? Yeah, that
1: wow. was from listening, though, to the vibrations and everything. This is, isn't, this is different. See, this is using the motion sensors to record subtle real-time changes of orientation as a user enters numbers to release a phone's screen lock, dial a phone number, or provide social security number during a call to a health insurance service center whatever example um, okay. by logging okay. the precise changes along three dimensions azimuth, pitch, and roll the Trojan makes educated guesses about the touchscreen regions that were tapped to generate the orientation changes it then maps those regions to the user interface of the screen lock or the dial pad or of a specific Android phone To accurately infer taps, the Trojan first needs to learn the patterns of a specific person using a specific Android phone, since the precise pitch role will be different for each user and each smartphone model. So that's crazy, like it goes in totally blind and then... As it's hiding there, it's everything you're doing on your phone. It's tracking it and seeing how you're holding it and how how it's angled and then how, you know, you're tapping on the screen. And it's building up its database uh, and probably knows like, oh, I have 20% accuracy. Now I have 50% accuracy. And, you know, it, it builds up. And I bet over time it can get, I don't, I don't know, they don't say what percentage, but I bet it could get pretty accurate up to like ninety ninety five 95%, I would imagine.
2: The flow chart the flow chart on Ars Technica, that really does explain it a little better for me, and yeah, I could see that, just like you said, over time, having a decent payoff for them.
0: I guess the key to, would be that it would have to be an ultra-small app that wouldn't run all the time in the background, or if it did, it would have to be very low-profile, so yeah. that it wouldn't, impa- it wouldn't uh, impact the user's performance perception, Um I suppose suppose if it works as advertised, then that's a honking huge security threat. Uh, The catch is is I don't know what you'd do to get around it.
2: And and it comes in basically um, as if it were a game or something, right? Yeah, that's what it said. It just, uh, just a
1: random game. And, I mean, granted, how many people do you know that install a game and then don't play it for, like, the first week or two and then forget about it or will go back and, you know, be like, oh, I should play this. But either way, people have apps on their phone that, you know, I'm sure they never run. And they, those apps, they they could totally just be sitting there, like, you know, heuristic yeah. in your life. There was a couple <laughs> games
2: on my phone in particular that, just like you said, I barely played them. But if I happen to look at the processes, those daggone processes are running. And I had to kill them off. And, yep. You know that's that's a perfect example right there.
1: That's what something somebody brought up on about the browser thing. They're like, why even if the browser is closed, does it keep requesting location information? Like, okay, there's maybe something off about that. But the normal yeah. everyday user, I feel like, wouldn't know that that is something wrong they or they would just be like, Oh, this stupid Android phone with a crappy battery. They don't know that they have like five apps in the background running full three G data all the time, you know, transmitting their, their life, <laughs> you know, this is true. This is true. Uh, they say even after tablogger has been trained the um, whoa, has been trained to deduce the taps of a given user on a specific smartphone model, background vibrations, and other variables prevent TapLogger from determining the exact sequence of numbers entered into a device. Despite this limitation, the Trojan can still greatly reduce the number of guesses required to recover a PIN, social, or other numerical string. Uh, they try every possible combination to crack a four-digit PIN requires a maximum of ten thousand combinations, right? Uh by using the information with uh that Taplogger gives you, they can narrow the number of tries to just eighty one with an average of a hundred percent chance of success. Which is okay, I guess, but if you have the ten and ten wrong and wipe, then eighty one's just not gonna cut it. You need to cut that down to like nine. <laughs> you know? But not everybody's using that. All right. Uh, using tap logger data to deduce a six-digit pin, meanwhile, generates a search space of 729 likely combinations with an average success rate of 80%. Uh, by by contrast, it would require a maximum of one million possible combinations to crack the same pin using normal brute force methods. So, I mean, it's not a cure-all, it's not a magic key, but it's... Uh, it's, I'd say, uh, as, as valuable, if not more, than a rainbow table when when doing these sorts of attacks.
2: Well, don't these rainbow tables act pretty daggum fast to go through all of these computations? Yeah, you know?
1: the, and it's, it's not, like, this is kind of like a guessing rainbow table. It's not like these are exactly what the hashes are going to be. This is like, I think it's going to be this. So, yeah. they kind of different. Maybe rainbow table is not, not the best analogy, but...
0: Bottom line, if you're running Android on your company network and you have uh, an Exchange server that everything's hooked up to, enable those security features like the remote wipe. Ensure that you've got your password policies turned on. Um, yeah, and just be prepared to, to, to wipe a phone at the touch of a button if need be.
1: And if, if you're rooted, use Droidwall. <laughs> Maybe you want to check that out.
0: That's a good idea.
1: So, all right. Uh, let's move on. You guys, I know you guys hate this, but we have to talk about it. Just, just briefly. Just a, a couple patent things. Uh, you know, Oracle, Oracle and Google are two best buds. Just in the courtroom. Would you say making a mockery of our beautiful justice system, or was that done long before this trial?
0: No, that
2: was Apple. That was Apple.
1: That was (laughs) wrong show. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Um, They had Andy Rubin on the stand Monday. Uh, He answered questions related to those emails back from 05 and 06 on the the topic of Java licensing. Uh, He had Oracle lawyer David Boyce uh, quizzing him, just kind of, you know what what do they expect like what is the end game here besides lawyers just taking awesome amazing vacations on a, on everyone's dime like what's the end game of this
2: aunt you know i it makes you wonder. Heck, all I thought it was was just bragging rights. The way these two—it seems like it, right? go go at it with one another. Because check you know?
1: it: without Java, Android is nothing. Without right. Android, Java is just a stupid applet. So, can we maybe put our petty bickerings aside, like they did with mm-hmm. Sun? I mean, and back you know, when it was Sun.
2: Bring in one outside source. You have just look at the iOS folks and that development on their SDK. I mean, that's all in Java. Yeah, and look what happened with that. <laughs> like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of Mac machines pwned. Pwned.
1: <laughs> a revolution you know? in the way Mac users compute is on its way because of that. This is why you your, your OS needs to get along with the platform that it's using or it is written on. I mean, that's just common
2: sense, right? Yeah, just partner up. Just partner up and, and, and find a common ground and... and make this money because it's out there to be make made. this money.
1: Can we just, can we put our <laughs> petty differences aside and just make this money? Because right now Apple has a bunch of it. <laughs> so, right. But cause is, I mean, do you think if, if Oracle would have been like, all right, look, just, was it because they were asking for too much for a licensing or did they not even, was that not even an option?
2: Well, you got to look at Oracle's position. I mean, where where do they stand on their on their earnings and so forth? Because at one time, wasn't they pretty pretty much struggling and trying to keep their. And nose that's what above I'm saying, though. Like,
1: it's nothing to Google for the base, and even they said it in court that like, oh, Android's not a big deal. It's just a way to get ads. I I think that's just trying to play down like the importance of it, so that Oracle's lawyers heard that and they're like, oh shoot, I told you, we shouldn't have went after, we should have went after something else, not Android. They don't care about Android. It's like, <laughs> ha, 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 got them, you know. But, yeah, seriously, it, it's it's nothing to Google to be like, here's a buck a, a install or two bucks or whatever it is, you know, just to help them out. They get paid. Everyone's happy. But instead, we have precedent-setting possibly, you know, rulings here that are going to change the way APIs are governed and technology in general, how it evolves, If you can't use APIs to to build anything, your language is going to die or,
2: you know, it'll get licensed all to hell. It's really big in this third-party app game, um, especially with different prominent, um, what do you call it, social media stuff out there. Everybody's playing off their own APIs and you throw this in the mix, it's, it's just going to be a big monkey wrench for everybody.
1: Because at the beginning, like, the whole key is to build something and then get as many people using it as possible. It almost seems like... service, sorry. Yeah, and make a service. That's useful, and that furthers humanity as a whole in the way that we share our stupid lives. But then when, you, <laughs> when you're like, oh, you can only use this if you pay me this much per API call, it's like, well, chances are I'll either go write my own or I'll go find one that I don't have to pay for. It's not like they're the end-all. I mean, they well, might they might be so- now because of how far Android has gone into it. It's not like they can switch it to C real quick, you know? It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of we're past that point, so.
0: Bottom no. line, unless everybody can uh, agree to royalty-free licensing of their products and we can all get along... Someone is always going to be using someone else's lawyer to beat someone else's up.
1: And and the lesson I keep taking home from all of these patent war stories is I I should have been a damn lawyer.
0: <laughs> like it's
1: <laughs> I almost want to say that it is a conspiracy of them being like, Okay, the car industry's dead, cigarette tobacco, we've milked them. Who can we go after? Silicon Vet, let's go down and so they went down there and they're like, Hey, hey, Oracle, hey, come here, check this out. See see Google over there? They're using your APIs. <laughs> you know, I know a good lawyer. I mean, I am a good lawyer. You know, you should hire me. And so they all got together, and then his buddy went to Google and was like, hey, I hear uh, Oracle's coming after you. You're going to need a good lawyer. I hear, uh, you know, and so <laughs> it's it's the lawyers doing this. The the companies probably, they don't know. They don't care. They they just want to build cool tech and sell us ads. It's the lawyers that are like, how can we get in on this? Oh, There's a bunch of money down there, and we're going to get in on it. Every last quarter of it. Hey Seth, are you
2: a developer?
3: I'm not. I'm not a developer. Are you a lawyer, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a lawyer either. Although well, I, mean, I was you know, curious Kemp, about
2: APIs, Glenn? right? Because most of the time, aren't your API calls limited in whatever application you're running? And is that due to a bandwidth issue? Or I've always yeah, wondered what was that about. I have no idea. I, most times <laughs> most times it's due to what they can
1: handle and what they're expecting their load to be. Having the paying customers, I guess, prioritize to make sure that there's calls for them when they need them and then everyone else gets what's left. I, I, I don't know. That's my guess. Joey, you know? Did Joey die?
0: Sorry. Uh, no, oh. not a clue on that one.
1: Okay. All right. So, more... Rampant speculation from your friends on Attack of the Androids. Uh, That's our new
0: segment, rampant speculation.
1: (laughs) New show. Get it. Uh, Chrome for Android beta will be coming out of beta soon. We have more more speculative rumors uh, right now.
3: I've been having some problems with my Chrome for Android and my touchpad. It It may be that I'm writing that Cyanogen mod. But it's, it it doesn't work nearly as well as the stock browser does for me right now.
1: Hmm. They're saying they think in a matter of weeks it'll be losing the beta label. Um, the senior vice president of Chrome for apps, Sundar Pichai, said that the mobile version of Chrome's readiness is ready to take over Google's web presence on Android.
2: As far as I'm concerned, Chrome doesn't exist on my mobile phone. Yeah, unless you have ice cream sandwich, Chrome doesn't exist on your mobile phone. <laughs> you know the the whole 1.2% of you guys I know, know anything right? about this, so I blame the yeah. occupy movement. <laughs> Uh, last week's I mean, I'm update. I'm curious to see it, you know, but it's it, it pretty is.
1: amazing. I have to say, and, and Chrome Beta is one of the browsers I did test. So you'll see where it's not the fastest browser that I test, at least. And and I was sure to be clear, like these are my results on my internet on this particular day. Like it it means nothing really, but it's kind of a scale. But you're now um,
2: certifying yourself as N22.
1: But I did, I did. I wrote down what my Wi-Fi signal in decibels was and how fast, and I had screenshots of the of the speed test. Like, I went all out, for real, man. Uh, so uh, the last update gave us tab syncing and a desktop mode, which was pretty awesome, I thought. Uh, I think it's the only browser... A lot of the browsers that handle tabs on Android are limited to how many tabs you can have open, and apparently... Chrome will just let you open up as many as you want. It it doesn't care at all. Regardless
2: of your chip, huh? Well, I'm sure until your chip... Let's keep adding more processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Until your phone runs out of RAM and and swap, sure.
2: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That would be hilarious. How many tabs can I add? (laughs) And so
1: they brought up an interesting question. I always kind of wondered this. You have Android browser. That's the stock default browser. And then you have, you know... Chrome beta now. And if once the beta tags off it, I don't think they ask, you know, can, can Google get rid of the default ice cream sandwich browser and replace it with Chrome? And I think for the default ice cream sandwich browser, absolutely. But if Chrome isn't ever going to run or isn't at least right now ready to run on anything prior to 4.0, then, you know, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, until the carriers and everybody gets their crap together, right. And puts ICS on all of these devices. It's kind of pointless, it's just us, the one percent
2: one percent
1: so, but there are yeah, tons of hater there's tons of great browsers for the rest of you guys too, for real. Don't worry, don't worry about it guys. It's gonna be okay. It's
2: all gonna be <laughs> okay, so I look forward to seeing your write up though because I mean, I haven't used the stock browser stock browser. Almost ever. Um, it just kept running and kept running and kept running. And I was, once I got the phone rooted, it's like, okay, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, then, sorry. You know, and I've been running that Dolphin forever and a day. You know, what, you like two that? Years now? I love this Dolphin browser. And every update has just been getting better and better, you know, for me anyway. Right. Now, granted, I don't have the same phone hardware that you have, you know, running that Nexus, but...
1: Well that's that's interesting you say that. You'll you'll see some interesting results as soon as this thing gets published. <laughs> Including what I the will two not fastest be grabbing a
2: Chinese browser, Matt. Yeah,
1: right. The the two <laughs> fastest browsers I tested, both Chinese, just saying. <laughs> Fast and Furious over there. <laughs> um what else do we want to cover before we do app picks? How about Google Drive? Is anybody up on that yet? There's a
3: That would be yeah they haven't they haven't let me in yet. So
1: are is your is your Google Drive not ready yet? <laughs> exactly. I love how they phrase that kind of stuff. They're like, you know, personally yours isn't ready yet, but soon. And we'll email you when it is ready. But yeah, it's you know, live. It's- drive.google.com is finally live. Uh it just went live this morning, didn't it?
2: Yeah, I want to say it was right at lunchtime, East Coast time. Everywhere you are, Google, that's where right. my phone started blowing up.
0: Am I the only one that's questioning why we need another syncing service?
1: We needed, we didn't need so much another syncing service. We needed Google to tie together all of our space from the photos and the docs and the Gmail and give us something that we can use on our desktops or on our iPhones and iPads, coming soon, (laughs) and our Android devices. I don't know why they didn't... I mean, I guess Drive is more all-encompassing than Docs was, but...
0: I don't know, because, I mean, people comparing it to Dropbox and... I mean, there's been an awful lot of people that have complained about the security of Dropbox over the years, and now we're going to have Google doing it, and there's a lot of people that complain about the 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 security of Google. So I just well, does
1: it, does Dropbox give you two factor authentication? I mean, does Dropbox was never designed for security in the first place? That's what people don't true. get. Nobody ever said, "Ooh, this is a safe and secure way to store your files." No, this is a quick way that if you upload something, somebody else already upload will just give you this copy. Like that's all it is. And there, it just so happened to be open enough that a ton of people developed a ton of apps that are all now really dependent on it. And then the privacy gonna, came out. And
2: then people it's were be like. A slow migration for me to go to this whole drive, uh, Google Drive. Um, I jumped on Box, I guess, a month or two ago when they had that special. Um, you download the app and they gave you, was it 50 gigs? Some huge number like that. And I'll probably never use all of that space, but isn't it? Did
1: you have to pay for bandwidth with Box, or is it unlimited? No, this is all unlimited,
2: bro. Hey, does Box
3: Box doesn't have a desktop client, right? Though you have to upload it through their web, don't you? Yeah, it's
2: all through the web. Yes, all through the web, through the web, and through the web.
3: The thing I really like about the Google Drive and about um, you know I'm a Dropbox guy right now is uh, is the desktop client. You know, you just throw things in there. You don't have to like log in, and you know what I mean that—that
0: was the thing I loved about it too, or I still do. I should say.
1: Well, see, I—I I was really early on. I was using a lot of Picasso stuff, and I mentioned this on, I think, Yat's last week that I—I I bought into the 20 gigs for five dollars a year. And what that was was for Gmail, Google Docs, and Picasa. And it, it renewed yearly. It was it was nothing, right? Five bucks a year for five 20 gigs? Five bucks a year for 20 and gigs? And I did it because nice. I was getting close to my one gig limit in Picasa. And I have, I have thousands of pictures. I mean, all the live shows we do, all the pictures from all that stuff is up there and, and random pictures. So I was getting close to that. So I, I looked, and they were like, you know, here's 20 gigs for five bucks. Perfect. So the new plans now... You get ten gigs free in Gmail instead of the seven. You get five gigs free in Drive, Google Drive, instead of the one gig for Google Docs and the one gig in Picasa. So then the new one for free you get one gig of Picasa and one and five gigs of Drive, and both gave you unlimited Google Plus storage, whatever that meant. So now the pricing structure instead of twenty gigs for five bucks a year. You're going to get 25 gigs for 250 a month. So, it's a little more, quite a bit more, <laughs> but
2: it's just a wee bit more.
1: A bit, right? 100 gigs for 5 bucks a month. Now, see, I would I would be interested in this if I could use that like an EC or was what that what's the Amazon one? E3? EC2. If I could EC2. host and use it as a CDN for podcast, like I that would be That would be worth it. But so if you have an old plan like I do, you guys can keep it if you keep your account active and you keep your payment information in Google Wallet accurate and up to date and you don't cancel or upgrade your current plan. If your account lapses, your credit card is declined or you choose to change your storage plan in any way, upgrade or downgrade, you'll be switched to the new storage plan. So I'm thinking I'm just going to let my $5 a year
2: roll and just keep that. In other words, your grandfather. I guess. Until, unless something happens. You know, I I was, I believe this was on Yats when we talked about it initially. Right. um, I don't feel so bad now when I go into my Google Drive and they tell me it's not ready yet. Because I was wondering, how are they getting all of this bandwidth? And how how are they getting all of this storage? I'll tell you how they're s- not. Just slap it out there. You know, yet my five gigs isn't ready. You know, <laughs> so I don't feel too bad having to pay for, you know, pay $60 for a 500 gigabyte hard drive nowadays. Apparently they're paying that same price too.
1: Yeah, plus, I mean, <laughs> what ha- whatever happened to the hard drive shortage from the tsunamis and all that? It, are we going right. to start feeling that ripple pretty soon or what?
2: I think we already are, bro. Uh
0: I've had difficulty getting stuff uh not necessarily desktop hard drives uh or externals, but I've had uh, difficulty getting server hard drives. The higher end I stuff I would imagine that's yeah. where
1: the bulk of the yeah. of the problems will be for now.
0: Yeah, the higher end stuff that you know they, they don't make in quantity. They they tend to make fewer of them, charge more for them, and have less supply on hand.
2: Right. And that makes sense.
1: Seth, what do you think of this on the phones and everything? Like, does this does this change anything drastically, or is it just another option?
3: I think that uh, I think that for people, here's my, I mean, people because it's Google may just do it. You know what I mean? Um, whereas Dropbox was sort of an unknown. You kind of probably needed someone who was techie to show how to do that. Google may be offering you know, like a lower entry level uh, for people who. Kind of want this functionality, but don't really know where to go for it. And if so, maybe it'll do that. But other than that, I don't see it offering a whole lot of difference. I mean, although I can't see people liking the uh, ability to edit other people's documents or shared editing of documents. And this may be another easier way to um, to do that. You know, through through the Google Drive. or Dropbox? You can't. It's harder to edit stuff. I mean it's a little bit more. Well, yeah, it's right not there.
1: made for that. I feel like the Google Docs was made with collaboration right. in mind. But is right. that People that are doing that are already doing that. I don't think Google Drive is going to entice new Google Docs users. It almost no yeah it be, probably Who knows. knows?
3: It may make it a little bit easier for people who are already using it, or maybe may be enough right, right. to get someone to switch from Dropbox. Like if I was doing a lot of shared document editing, I would right now I would switch from Dropbox to Google Docs because they have more features. Although, you know, Dropbox just developed a pretty big update, in my opinion. Um, like yesterday, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they can you can now just offer a link and they can read you know, they can people can just through a link see um, you know Word documents and pictures and videos and really increase the functionality of Drop of Dropbox a, a ton yesterday. Um so I, do mean, you I think, love Dropbox. It's Seth, for me. Do you think that's because they
1: saw this coming today? Probably. They well, it I don't out? know if
3: they knew it was coming today, but they knew it was coming soon. And they right, knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they and had to it was in the pipe. Yeah, they have to remain competitive. Um, but I, you're right i mean, i don't see a really compelling reason to switch right now from your current like i'm not switching you know like Dropbox had that when Dropbox had that, um, when dropbox had that uh, promotion a while back where if you uploaded pictures you got an extra five gigabytes of data right you know, yeah, yeah. all these things you could do so I think I'm up to like eight or ten gigs right now with Dropbox, you know, so i'm just not moving my dropbox. Is full.
0: Despite all the advanced Almost. features, what I primarily use Dropbox for is a way to drop a file into uh, uh, the Dropbox on one machine and have it instantly populate to all the others. That's
1: on the key for sure.
0: You know, yeah, I mean, and Drive
3: and, will do that too now. Yeah.
0: Well, yes, uh, as provided it has a desktop client. We're assuming that.
3: Well, it no, does. no, I know it does. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, but both Linux and Mac. Oh, and... I don't know about Linux, but I know it does on Windows.
1: No, it's okay. Windows, Mac right now. But isn't that what Gmail was for? You just Gmail something from one to the other. That's that's what I would do. But, yeah, um,
0: but it's but you can't execute it out of there, and if well, you update it or save it, then it, the changes don't get replicated back.
1: Right, right, yeah. No, I was just saying forgetting it. But so if you want to check this out right now before your drive is ready, if you're on Android and you use Google Docs, go to the market, or excuse me, the Google Play. <laughs> go Google Play and update your Docs app, and it will turn into magically a four. 0.1
2: star review Google Drive. I think the biggest question is what is Facebook doing now? Who cares? Google Docs <laughs> is now
1: part of Google Drive. Keep everything, share everything <laughs> with Google Drive. You can store all your files in one place so you can access them from anywhere. And you, you know, know what? That's
2: why Google's doing this. They're, they're trying to do something to one up Facebook. It's you
1: were talking. All they do earlier about getting getting people on it. The first comment, the new update made this app much more user-friendly as it adds more of the features one would come to expect from an Office suite for Android. I will now be using this app more than ever as it now better fits my needs to edit documents on the go. And I bet that's
2: echoed. I mean, Docs is pretty great. You know, I never used Docs, but I remember you telling me the mobile version of it at one time was pretty... Um, it was terrible uh, because the editing was
1: done line by line. It wasn't a free-flowing thing, but they fixed that a couple updates ago. So yeah, it's uh-huh. it's much better. It's much more like e- e- Evernote editing is. Oh, okay. But before, yeah, you had to tap on the line, and then your cursor would go there, and then you'd edit that line, and you had to do that for each line. It wasn't like you could go down in the whole document. It was really annoying. I don't know why they did that in the first place, but it's much, much better now. So, all right. Well, anything else we want to get to before our app picks? Is Is that going to cover it? Is there anything we didn't cover I'm that good, you...
0: and actually my app pick kind of feeds in the Dropbox
1: well start us off then Joey app picks
0: all right this week and I'm pretty sure I have not used this one before uh, this applies to anybody that is using a carbonite backup subscription to back up their home computer or laptop uh, there is an app called Carbonite access uh, it's a free app and basically if you have your carbonite backup uh, set up on your place a home computer workstation, laptop, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Included with that, you get this app, and when you download it, you basically have access to download any file that you have on your cloud backup uh, through Carbonite, and it is tremendously useful uh, if you are looking for that certain document, certain picture, uh, certain piece of music, or what have you, and you know right where it is on your computer um, you don't have to go searching through YouTube or whatever to find it. You've got it, and you can get right to it, and it works flawlessly. Um, the uh, The file will show up in your downloads folder, uh, and you can run it from there just as you would any other, uh, any, any other document or what have you. Um, and it works with any file that you have backed up on your Carbonite.
1: Very nice. Assuming you're using Carbonite.
0: Yes which that's the i one keep on
1: that. i keep meaning to do i i want to just put all my stuff on one drive and then just hook that up to a carbonite account, like all the podcast stuff and everything I think would be good to have it backed up, you know just yeah, in please. case please do that <laughs> yeah right please yeah, just please in case so,
0: yeah. <laughs> um fifty nine dollars a year by the way, for carbonite f y
3: i
1: all right well, someone should get that for me thanks
0: all right
3: uh seth at pick yeah, so mine is called um. I've I've been recently been doing a little bit more just like dabbling in photography, just kind of fun. Sure. And so and your um, app is
1: called Instagram?
3: Uh, no, yeah, right <laughs> no, it's called it's called DOF calculator, which means depth of field calculator. And what I use it for is there's like a an idea um about called hyperfocal distance, which just basically tells you uh what where you should focus in order to get the most in focus and then out to infinity, basically. Really? yeah so That's it just tells you like where, like where you should set your your focus ring or focal distance um, so that you can get like the near focus and then plus all to infinity basically on your lens or your particular camera, et etc. So um, yeah, you just type in a few different fields and then it'll tell you you probably should read an article about what hyperfocal distance is, and then download this app and then it'll give you all you need to know about how to do it on your camera. assuming you had DSLR
1: right. Very cool. I just want to mention real quick too, going back to the drive thing, if you want to start using it without waiting, you see where it says we'll email you at whatever. If you said notify me, it'll say uh, it'll email you when your drive is ready. If you click learn more, that'll take you to this page, and it says for immediate access, here's how you do it. Uh, Get started with your five gigs for free. Click that, and you should be... Good to go. I'm afraid to click it because I don't want that to think that I'm changing my plan and be like, "Aha, we got you." <laughs> so you don't, you don't need to touch. That, I'm not bro. touching it. But if y'all want to and you want to get your five gigs going, uh, that's how to do it. So, and then there's also a notify me button there as well uh, when you're when you're. Uh, the rest of your storage is ready or whatever. But yeah, I'm not clicking none of that. I should just close all of these windows <laughs> right now and move on.
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, Ant, you got an app pick for us? Yeah. I uh, recently installed Woot WootCheck. Um, everybody, everybody knows about Woot.com and their special deals that come up throughout the day. The Woot um, off. I like this app because it encompasses all of their different um different items, whether it's wine or just regular woot or shirt woot and so forth. And it gives you a notification. Of course you can edit that in your settings to, to not notify you and whatnot. But um it's been been pretty handy here because I host a um friendly daily trivia challenge and I like to do a bunch of small gifts for the uh winner each month. And Woot and ThinkGeek are pretty prominent places I go to shop for these little small prizes. And it's nice, some of the things I come across in here, especially with Shirt.Woot. And, you know, I'm sitting at the office, and sometimes I don't ever think about um, what's going on. But I hear a notification, and I check my phone, and it's Woot, and it's like, huh, there's a new shirt out here, Ninja Blade, you know, for 12 bucks. you know. I like it, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. If especially if
1: you if you guys are are on Woot a lot, so Woot check. All right, and I don't know if I've, if we've done this one. It's a really popular app. I just I have a quick anecdote about it. But my pick this this week is Wi-Fi Analyzer, and I just when I was doing the the browser setup before, you know, I was I was checking Wi-Fi and checking signals and all that. And I noticed that it said, it, it has this screen, if you, if you swipe left or right, it'll take you to different views of the Wi-Fi signal. And it has a screen that shows you other Wi-Fi spots. And I, I didn't really realize that there was a few out here. That, I mean, I knew my neighbor had one, but it never occurred to me. And it said if I switch my channel, I would get better signal. And so I switched it, and I noticed I got like five more megabits out of my up and down just from doing that. I was like, whoa. Wow. <laughs> so it, and that was just one other access point or router happened to be in part of the spectrum where mine was. And so I just moved it down the line a little bit. to I think I set to channel 8 instead of like 4. And yeah, it made that much of a difference. So I just wanted to bring that up and, and maybe if you guys, it's been a while and you've had you know people moving in and out of apartments, new Wi-Fi spots get set up, maybe it's time to check again and see if maybe you need to to switch your your signal and uh,
2: yeah, Wi-Fi
1: analyzer by far. I just far
2: installed prompt. this app this weekend. Matt. It's awesome, five million yeah, plus I, downloads. I can dig it. <laughs> I like
1: I like putting it into the mode where it's it's like a speedometer. It's the little uh, voltometer yeah, thing, and the then noise. turning on the beep and just walking around with it. It's like <laughs> boo, boo it makes oh it's so great. But yeah, uh, Wi-Fi analyzer. So check it out. And if I picked that before, I apologize. Thirty two episodes? It's hard to keep track of all the apps. It's at least three apps per episode at least, not to mention ones we had four or five people on. It's uh it's a lot of apps. So Alright, well thank you guys, Ant. it's been a pleasure. I'll see you uh tomorrow for yet another tech dot com. That's right, that's right. I appreciate you guys having me on this evening. For sure, Joey. It's been a pleasure. Happy, yeah. I'll see you Thursday for the Buffer Overflow show
0: count
1: on it Seth
3: Boss. Seth's it's hair you, Matt. always it's a going. pleasure
1: I'll see you Friday for our <laughs> religion philosophy show <laughs> well,
3: Okay. like <laughs> I all right. know about that I'm in
1: yeah thanks for listening guys uh, email show at attack the check our google plus page out twitter facebook page all the socials in the upper right hand corner of the site um, please subscribe and iTunes rise to review and check out groovypost.com and newdomain.net check out all our other shows and we'll catch you next week Goodbye. It's Attack of the Androids. It's, Android. it's Attack of the Androids. Thanks for listening to Attack of the Androids. Attack of the Androids.com